that's good. That's good, isn't it? His life for mine. You have an awful good Savior. My goodness. Words can't describe it. Grab your Bibles. Go over to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Everybody's running late this morning. I noticed that when I walked into the auditorium. We're all, we're all enjoying this sun as long as we can, aren't we? Boy, we're just ready for that. Ready for spring to come. You know, the beautiful thing is it's just around the corner this time of year. Now, generally, we get a little snow, and I don't want to dampen anyone's spirits, but it throws us right back to winter for a few weeks. But Lord willing, we'll just come sailing right out of it. Luke chapter 12. Let's go ahead and stand together one last time in reverence to the Word of God. Luke chapter 12. I'm going to start with verse number 35 and read down to verse 41. Luke chapter 12, start with verse 35. The Bible says, Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning, and ye yourselves like unto men that wait for the Lord, when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the goodman of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be therefore ready also for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us or even to all? Let's pray. Lord, I ask you this morning for, Lord, the attention of these fine people. I ask that you would use this message um, as you've used it in my life in a great way. Lord, there are things that, um, that we need to prepare for. There are things that are just around the corner. And Lord, we don't know the future. We don't pretend to know the future. But I ask that we would, as this passage puts it, be ready. I pray that you'd touch each and every heart in this, in this room this morning. I pray that you'd use this message to accomplish what you so desire. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Wonderful passage of scripture. Um, Wednesday night, we're going to begin a new study. I don't know how long we'll take. I say that because I truly don't. <laughs> and uh, we're going to start looking at some of the things that are coming as far as prophecy is concerned, some biblical things. That, and again, we don't, we don't know everything. We don't understand everything. That's, that's why God holds the future. Amen. God holds tomorrow, and we, we trust him for that. But he does uh, pull the veil back on some things. And this is one of those passages in the Bible, Luke chapter 12, verses 35 through 41, where he does that. He pulls the veil back, so to speak, and he presents us with a glimpse of what is going to happen. He does it for a purpose. God, God in his word, there, there aren't, you're not going to find verses in the Bible that are just there because God rambled on and on. You'll find parts of my message sometimes that are filled just because I ramble on and on, Amen. That's the most amens we've had in a month. But, but that never happens with God. So when, when he gives us a glimpse of tomorrow, he has a purpose behind it. 
It's, it's not an empty prophecy or an empty threat, if some people look at it that way. God is giving it for a specific reason. And, and, and today, this morning, I just we're going to be very brief, and we're not going to get very far into anything, really, as far as a Bible study is concerned. It's not the intent of this message. But, but what I hope that you'll see is that this passage is given to us, and many of these prophetic passages are given to us for a purpose. They're given to us for a reason, not so that we can say, oh, I know more than you do. No, they're given to us for a reason so that we can look ahead and see what is coming so that we can prepare for that time. And I believe in our lives today, we have not prepared in many cases as we need to. The Bible in this passage and in others, you'll find in verse 39, he says, And this know that if the good men of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched, and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Folks, when the Lord comes, we are told that it will be as a thief in the night. Now, very simply, what does that signify? Quick, but it signifies something else. Unexpected. You see... I'm not a thief by trade. Any, do we have any in the room? All right. It's good. I, I'm proud of you for not implicating yourself. Now, but, but a thief, now, I, again, I'm not a thief, but if I was, I think my mindset would be to steal something without getting caught. Hence, I could steal again. Everybody's following my logic, right? This makes sense, doesn't it? All right, now, now this is what Jesus is saying. He says, I'm going to come, but he says, I'm going to come as a thief in the night. He said, I'm going to come unexpected. He said, I'm going to come unaware. He said, it's going to catch the vast majority, the vast multitudes completely by surprise. That's how it's going to work. And this morning, I want to look, I'm not worried about the unsaved part of humanity today. Now, we'll get into that in a minute. What I'm talking to today is people who claim the name of Christ. And I fear that the majority of those who claim the name of Christ will be caught completely and shockingly unprepared. As unprepared in many areas as the lost who reject Christ. And that ought not to be. And so we're going to look at some things this morning scripturally, and I hope it'll be an encouragement. Um, verse 41 of Luke 12, here in the text, Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us or even to all? Great question, Peter. Who do you think this part of the Bible was written to? Do you think it was written to 11 or 12 men, or do you think it was written to all of us? I think it was written to all of us. Amen. Good. Now, I'm going to give you several things this morning to help you to answer the one question. Am I ready for the Lord to return? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. It says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Take your Bibles over there. It's worth looking at. People have asked, what's he going to shout? I don't know. Hallelujah. I've heard some people, I like this one. So I read a man last night and he said what Jesus is going to shout is he's going to shout enough. 
He's going to shout enough sickness, enough heartache, enough heartbreak, enough death, enough dying, enough tears, and he's going to shout enough. And I thought that was a, a wonderful take. We don't know what he's going to shout, but praise God we know he's going to shout. It says, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so, and this is beautiful, shall we ever be with the Lord. Wonderful passage. Now, we refer to this coming of Christ as the rapture. He's going to come and he's going to call his people up. Right? The Bible says the dead in Christ rise first. We which are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Now, folks, what I want you to understand this morning is this is coming. Can any Bible scholar in this room tell me what is preventing the Lord Jesus Christ from descending to the clouds and shouting and taking us home? What is preventing that from happening at this moment? Nothing. Literally the shout of Christ. There's nothing that needs to be fulfilled. There's no, no prophecy that need be taken care of. It's happened. We have, we have arrived at that point. And if you've been paying attention to world news, you've seen some incredible things as far as our earth is concerned in the last several weeks. We've seen some massive, massive earthquakes, haven't we? You know, I was talking to a fellow yesterday, and, and, and you know, I, growing up here, we, we live in the Midwest, amen? We don't ever worry about earthquakes, but you know in the last five years we've had two fairly decent-sized earthquakes in the Midwest? You know, that's for California. That ain't for... Our world is beginning to very obvious, obviously show us that the time of Christ is ever approaching. And, and, and some people say, well, well, Pastor, when is he going to come? That's a great question. I have no earthly idea. I don't. I'm not supposed to name times and seasons. I don't know. In fact, if you read 1 Thessalonians, the first couple verses in chapter 5, tell us that we don't know. There's no way we can know. That's only to the Father. And the Father will say it's time. Go get them. Go get my children. He'll determine that. But what I want you to understand today is that time is ever, ever approaching. That time is getting so close, and folks, I really believe that, 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 that in, the next, in my lifetime, I believe Jesus Christ will come. I believe that one day He's going to break through those clouds, and I believe He will call us home, and I believe that time will be very soon. I think we're getting to that last tick on the clock. And what I want and I'm not saying that to scare anybody this morning. Now, if you're unsaved, you're not born again, I'm saying it to scare you. But to those who are born again, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, what a time. Imagine that. I mean, we'll... Now, I'm not telling you to do this. Now, if we knew when he was coming, wouldn't it be great to go borrow every red cent we could get from the bank? And buy, I, Now, I'm not telling you to do that. Don't you dare even think about that. But, folks, you know, all those problems that we're going to miss, isn't it good? I'm hoping God pulls me out before my children get to be teenagers. <laughs> I'm saying that. I'm just kidding. But folks, when the Lord comes, He's going to come. And at that point, it's done. What's done is done. And this morning, I would beg you to be ready for it. Am I ready for it? Let me say this, number one. If I'm ready for it, and if I believe it, I'll live like it. If I'm 
ready for it, and if I believe it, I'll live like it. There's a story in the Old Testament, and it pertains to a certain extent to what we're talking about, but I really want to take what, what was given to him by Isaiah the prophet. 2 Kings chapter 20, we meet a man by the name of Hezekiah. Hezekiah is an incredible king. He has served God with a pure heart, with a fervent heart. He has devoted himself to furthering the cause of, of Jehovah God. and He's done a very fine job. He's been very loyal, very, very humble in the sight of God. Isaiah the prophet is sent with a message. The message goes, you're going to die, get your house in order. Literally, Isaiah looks in the face and says, Hezekiah, God has said you're going to die very soon. Set your house in order. Well, this morning, folks, I can't tell you when it's going to happen. And I can't tell you exactly uh, how it's going to happen. I mean, I know he's coming in the clouds. And I know the trump is going to sound. And I know the shout's going to happen. I know we're going to send. Well, I don't understand everything about it. I don't understand. But don't, don't misunderstand me. It's coming very closely. All right, the time of Christ is right here, and we need to set our houses in order. See, if I'm ready for the coming of Christ, I'm going to be living like it. I'm going to have things that need to be done. Done? You see, as a Christian, if I believe He's coming soon, I'll live like it. A gentleman went away from home and secured a good position. He loved his family. He sent money for every need as well as many gifts. But the wife and the children grew more anxious as the days went by. They wanted to see their husband and their father. Finally, when they could not stand it any longer, they wrote to him and said, Please do not send any more gifts or money. We want you. The Christian whose heart is true to the heavenly bridegroom Christ appreciates the blessings and gifts bestowed him but at the same time they long for him personally Jesus said as he closes out the book of Revelation surely I come quickly and John the disciple whom Jesus loved responded even so come Lord Jesus you see, folks, if we are ready for it, we'll be living like it. We'll be living like it. You say, well, well, pastor, I, you know, I, I'm getting things straightened out. No, get them straightened out. All right? I mean, get, today, if you're in here and you've never trusted Christ, get it taken care of. If there are things in your heart today that are between you and your Savior, and you say, I'm born again, I'm on my way to heaven. Heaven's my home. I know that Christ is my Savior. I got that taken care of. But there are things today between you and Christ Confess them and forsake them and get it straightened out with God. You see, if we're truly believing that the Lord could come back, we will live like it. We'll live like it. Secondly, if we believe that Christ is coming back, I'll be giving like it. I'll be giving like it. There's a verse in Matthew that convicts me every time I read it. In fact, when I get to Matthew 6, I sometimes want to skip the chapter. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21, the Bible says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You see, folks, today I'm going to ask you something. Are you giving like you believe the Lord is coming back soon? You see, I'm, and I don't misunderstand me, I'm not against 
setting things up and preparing for when the Lord takes you home and preparing for your family that you leave behind and preparing for those children and grandchildren. I'm not against that at all. But I want to ask you this morning, are you laying up treasures here on earth or are you laying up treasures in heaven? You see, some of us have gotten so caught up in the worldly philosophy of today that we are trying to lay up treasures on earth. You don't take those treasures with you. All right? When the Lord takes you home, he, he doesn't take the money truck. He doesn't take the 401k account with him. All right? It doesn't go that way. And I think some of us today were caught up in, 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 in earthly concepts, in earthly principles. And we've, we've got these things that, well, I need to take care of this, and I need to take care of that, and I need to have this, and I need to have that. No, you don't. No, you don't. If you'll study the life of Christ, if you'll study the life of the apostles, if you'll study the early Christians, they did not ever live for possessions. They did not. In fact, they didn't want the finer things in life. That wasn't a part of what they desired. They desired to lay treasures in heaven. And truth be told, when that trump sounds and we begin to rise, I fear some people will have more of their heart left here than up there. Again, people that are taken are people that are born again. People that are taken are those that claim the name of Christ. But I fear that many of us are going to be caught totally unprepared and we're going to say, Lord, someday I was going to store treasures up there. Someday I was going to serve you. Someday I was going to give my life to you. But, 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 not yet. Well, where your treasure is reveals where your heart is. And if my heart is in an automobile, if my heart is in a 4 by 4 truck, if my heart is in a, in a fishing boat, if my heart is in entertainment, or my heart is in my next vacation, my friend, my heart is on this earth. I fear that we're forgetting that. And we are basing everything on what we leave here. Do you know the Bible says a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches? I will tell you right now, hey, moms and dads and grandfathers and grandmothers, the greatest thing you can leave to your kids and your grandkids is a good name. And some of us are caught up in leaving our kids money. I'm not against it, all right? Mom? But I would much rather them leave me a good name, which they have, than leave me riches. Because, folks, let's face it, you all know the stories. We've read about them. We've seen them it happen. People who all of a sudden walk into a pile of money that they didn't work for and that they didn't earn, what does it do? It corrupts them. It ruins them. You say, oh, no, not me. I know. I say the exact same thing. But I can tell you, God hasn't given me a million bucks because this fella can't handle a million bucks. Now, God and I are in negotiations as we speak. But understand something. God doesn't, that's, that, you say, oh, but I have to care for them. No, my friend, you don't really have to concern yourself with that aspect. God will provide for them. Matthew chapter 6, again, it, it, it tells us, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. All these things pertains to lodging, it pertains to food, it pertains to raiment, it pertains to the necessities of life. And God will provide those for his children for all time. That's not a concern. So leave your kids something that means something. Leave your grandkids something that means something. Don't get caught up in the worldly philosophy that we have to leave behind a truckload of money. Folks, let God use it. Now again, you say, boy, I'm, I'm saving, I'm going to be wise. Great. 
If you leave your kids and grandkids money, bully for them. Make sure you train them how to use it. All right? Make sure when they get it, it doesn't ruin them. Because I'll tell you something, folks. The love of money is the root of all evil, and that's Bible. All right? That wasn't given by some uh, financial wizard. That was given by God, the man who created finances. All right? I mean, God understands that God knows what it does. But if I believe that he's coming, I'll be giving like him. Hebrews 11, verse 13, 14, and 15, it talks about people that live by faith. The whole chapter of Hebrews 11 does that. But in verse 13, there's a couple phrases, and I just want to pull a couple of them out. It says they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Noah, David, Gideon, you, you can go through the list. The Bible says they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. Folks, do you, do you know what a pilgrim is? It's not John Wayne. What's a pilgrim? It's a what? Stranger, but, but go a little further. You know, what, you know what a pilgrim is? It's a traveler. He's looking for something. The scriptures bear that out. They were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. They sought a better country. That's what the Bible says. So these strangers and pilgrims that were our spiritual forefathers, they were seeking something that was better. When the pilgrims, you know, came to America, what were they seeking? They were seeking freedom, weren't they? Religious freedom. They were seeking a country where they could worship as they saw fit. Without oppression. Without fear of tyranny. They came here for that reason. That was the pilgrims. They were wanderers. I kind of wonder what they do today in our society. I really do. I wonder if they keep moving or not. But folks, we're to be pilgrims. Strangers to this world. The world's entertainment the world's niceties are to hold no sway over me. Now, some of you today, you say, I have some of those things. I'm not against those things. I had a person call me one time after the radio broadcast and say, what's your problem with having a nice house? I said, nothing. If you want to give me yours, I'll take it. He said, well, it sounds like you have something against it. I said, I don't have anything against it. I'd like it. Amen? I mean, I'd like to have extra money. I'd like to have a couple cars in the driveway that are very new. I'd like to have those things. But I'm going to be very honest with you. Those things, as a Christian, are to hold no sway over me. Ladies, it shouldn't hold any sway over you whether your house has one bathroom or two. It shouldn't. Now, it does because we're, we're not ready for Christ to come. What I'm trying to get you to look at today, though, is if we're ready for Christ, we're going to, number one, be living like it. Number two, we're going to be giving like it. Thirdly, if I believe that Christ is coming soon, I'll be passionate about it. And this really ties into the other two, and I had a couple things I wanted to get into this morning. Time won't permit. But number three this morning, if I believe Christ is coming, and I'm going to be ready, then I need to be passionate about it. You see, I need to take every chance I get to serve him. I need to live every day like it could be my last. I need to leave no stone unturned. I need to leave no apology unsaid. I need to leave no opportunity undone. I need to be passionate about it. You see, in my own life, and I can confess this honestly, 
I've come to a point where I believe that Christ is coming. We, we're taught that, all right? I mean, since I was knee-high to a grasshopper, man, I learned that Jesus is coming soon. We sing it, amen? You know, Jesus is coming soon, morning or night. I mean, we love it. We love it. We sing about it. And boy, we're excited about it. But you know what happens to us is we get just kind of, eh, yeah, right, mm-hmm. You know, as a child, I was the oldest son. How many of the oldest kids in the family? What a privilege, amen? You were your father and mother's guinea pig. You younger siblings, you ought to thank your older brother or older sister. They went through a lot of hard work for you to get where you are today. That was paid commercial. Forgot completely where I was at. Isn't that terrible? Anybody else ever do that? Mom and dad would leave. Since I was the oldest, you would be put in charge. <laughs> Not technically, but that's how you felt. Because you were the oldest, so I'm the boss. It goes with the territory. They would always say to do a few things. And I always say not to do a few things. They knew me. The problem was, is after a while, you got to thinking that, I can probably get away with it. Because by the time they get home, my younger brother and my younger sister will have completely forgotten what I did to them. Right? Now again, I, it was stupid, I understand that, but oldest siblings, they're that way for a reason. And, and, and so I would do things that I wasn't supposed to, and I would not do things that I was supposed to, and then sooner or later, mom and dad would pull into the driveway, and how many of you remember that feeling? Terror strikes your heart. I mean, it's just like, oh my word, how dare they? They came home. I'm not ready. And you frantically begin to apologize to your brothers and sisters. You start to feverishly work on what you were supposed to do, but it's too late. You know that. I remember, you know, growing up in the house we did, mom and dad always came up the basement steps. And you heard those footsteps come in. You heard it stop for a second because they were taking off their coat and hanging it up. And then you heard the wooden steps as they came upstairs. The impending sound of doom. Amen? Jaws had nothing on those steps coming up. I mean, I just, you just, oh, no, it's over. It's over. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. Christian, are you ready? You see, if you're ready, you'll be passionate about it. You'll take every opportunity that God presents and you'll go as far as you possibly can with it. If you're passionate about it. But I fear some of us have just grown lackadaisical in our spiritual minds and we've said, well, I, I know he's coming. I, I mean, we've been taught that and we believe that. And, and yes, I can show you the scripture verses on it and I've read them and boy, they're beautiful and it sounds like those people someday are really going to enjoy that. But it probably won't happen to me. If that's our attitude, we're wrong. We've, we've bought into this, I don't have to be ready. <laughs> you know, I mean, he ain't coming back. I mean, he didn't come back for John and Paul. He didn't come back for, 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 for Billy Sunday and D.L. Moody. He didn't come back for the last generation. He ain't coming back for me. You don't know that. All you know is that he said in our text today, Luke chapter 12, to be ready. 
to be ready. And, I, and folks, I'm going to beg you today, some of us need to get some passion into preparing for Him coming. You see, folks, one of these days, He is going to break through those clouds. And He's going to show up, and there's going to be a whole bunch of people who say, Hold on, man! St stop! Don't shout yet! Keep that trumpet from sounding! I got some things I got to do! That's what I fear a lot of us are going to caught, get caught doing. And we need to put some passion into getting ready for Christ. Baseball season's about to begin. Amen? Spring training, spring fever. I know some of you don't care about sports. You'll get right with God someday. But, but spring training is coming, man. I just read a, a big, big magazine about it and read about all the teams. And, and, and I love it. I love this time of year. I've loved it for, for, since, since I was a squirt. I love it. In a baseball season, there are 162 games. That's a long season. 162 games. Tell me this. Game number four, does it mean as much as game 162? Yes or no? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you know, though, it's funny... <laughs> In May, when teams lose, April and May, it's no big deal. We got plenty of time to turn it around. That's what they say. Now, they say that till about mid-July or mid-August, then they trade everybody and say, well, it's a rebuilding year. But game number one, two, three, four, and five mean just as much in the standings as game number 162. I understand game 162 can have a little pressure with it, Amen. The last seconds of a basketball game. Do you know that points, a three-point basket at the end of regulation means as much as a three-point basket in the first two minutes of the game? It, it does. The problem is, 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 is the players aren't as into it. They're kind of flippant about it. They say, well, we got plenty of time to get ready. We, we have the chance to come back. Well, in the Christian life, my friend, I'm going to tell you this right now. You don't know when he's coming. God was pretty smart when he said, just be ready. He didn't say, well, here's the date I'm coming. You know, we got this big Mayan calendar thing with 2012, and I've had some people get worked up about that. In fact, one of the bus kids' parents got all worked up about 2012. The world is going to end. Folks, the Mayan calendar runs out. Don't worry. They'll get a new one. Remember Y2K? You know, all the computers are going to crash. Yeah, but we all just bought new ones, and we're fine now. You know, I mean, it's fine. It's no big deal. Don't worry about it. We don't know when he's coming. All I'm telling you is to be ready. And folks, we need to put a little passion into what we're doing. We don't know if we're in the first two minutes of the game or if we're in the last five seconds. Now, I tend to believe we're in the last five seconds. It's been about 2,000 years since Christ ascended. And he said, I'm coming back. He said, behold, I come quickly. <laughs> now, I know a 1,000 days with the Lord is as one day, and one day is a 1,000 years. I get all that. But I really believe that quickly, in this sense, means very soon to us. And we need to get ready. You say, oh, pastor, we got plenty of time. Do you know that? Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll get, I'll get, no, don't worry, don't worry. I'll make things right with my family. I know that we, 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 there's some bitterness and there's some frustration. But I'll make things right with them someday. You don't know if you have someday. Proverbs 27, 1 says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You don't know what tomorrow holds. So be ready. And folks, I beg you to put some passion into it. Luke chapter 21. 
The Bible tells us to lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. If you want something entertaining to do, go ahead and read that passage when you go home today. Luke chapter 21. Let me share this with you and we'll close. One day in 1789, the sky over Hartford darkened. Some of the members of the Connecticut House of Representatives, glancing out their windows, feared that the end of the world was at hand. It was that bad. Quieting a clamor for immediate adjournment, Colonel Davenport, the Speaker of the House, rose and said, he said, the day of judgment is either coming or it is not. He said, if it is not, there is no cause for adjournment. He then said, if the day of judgment is coming, I choose to be found doing my duty. Therefore, I wish that candles be brought. Folks, I don't know when he's coming. But I'll tell you this right now. You'll be found doing what you're supposed to. See, the Bible goes on to tell us in Luke 12 that it's a wise servant who is ready. And he says it could be the second watch of the night, the third watch of the night. We don't know. But he's coming. And Christian today, mark my words, he is coming. Unsaved person in this room today, mark my words, he is coming. You say, Pastor, how close is it? It's one day closer than it was yesterday. Even so come, Lord Jesus. That ought to be our response to the Lord today. You say, I got some things I'm going to get right in my life. Get them right now. Don't wait. Don't wait. You, you know, the beautiful thing is you can be right with God today. You do know that, don't you? I mean, friend, you're in here today and you say, well, I'm so far from God. Man, trust Christ. If you've never trusted Christ, trust Christ and you're right with God today. And Christian, let me say this. There are some phone calls you can make. There are some apologies that may need to be said. There are some people you may need to go to and reconcile yourself. But those can be done today. You don't have to wait. You can be right with him now and be ready. Folks, I would encourage you greatly to realize that he's coming. We sing that song, maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening maybe soon. Coming again. He is. He's right around the corner. The next thing that has to happen according to Bible prophecy is Him. Say, what about the nation of Israel? It's happened. What, what, what about this prophecy? It's done. What about that? It's accomplished. The next thing is for Christ to break through the clouds. And praise God, if you're ready. <laughs> Woe is me if I'm not. And my friend today, I beg you, if you believe he's coming, live like it. If you believe he's coming, give like it. And if you believe he's coming, put a little hitch in the giddy up, amen? Be a little bit passionate about it. Folks, we've got to. Every second counts. Every day matters because he's coming soon. Let's go and stand to our feet, every head bowed, every eye closed.
Folks, I wish I could do these messages justice. Because I know he's coming soon. And I need to be ready. I don't need to be ready 10 years from now when I've matured, when I'm grown up. I need to be ready today. And young people, this goes for you. You say, boy, I got my whole life to live. I understand that's how you feel and you're okay to feel that way. But be ready. Be ready because one of these days, young person, that Heavenly Father very well, so to speak, could come knocking on the door and say, I, I hope you're ready. At that point, it's done. Adults, the lives God has given us, it's a gift. And what a wonder to meet the Lord in the air. I would encourage you, if that happens to us, if we have the privilege of being caught up alive, we that remain, let's make it a time of joy. And not one of, oh God, my, I, I've got to get some things taken care of. I, I, I was so close. I was going to, God, you don't know. You don't know how. He said, I'm coming as a thief in the night. You'll not be prepared. My, my message this morning is be ready. Be ready. Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless the invitation. God, I pray that if there are some in this room that have never trusted Jesus Christ, that today would be the very day of their salvation, and Lord, they'd be ready. Heavenly Father, I ask that if there are some Christians in the auditorium this morning, and Lord, they're ready for eternity, but Lord, they're not ready right now. I pray that today they look inside, and, and God, this is, a, this is a message that is not meant to be outward but inward. That today would be a day that they take care of some matters. Things are taken care of, and they're ready for your coming. Heavenly Father, I ask for your blessing, your hand on the invitation. In Christ's name, amen. As the instruments begin to play, if the Lord's laid something on your heart, I'd encourage you to come to the altar. Folks, how about it, that, that, that one time to tell that loved one the gospel. You say, but I'm scared, I'm embarrassed, I'm nervous. But are you ready?
Folks, let me tell you this. You know when I want the rapture to happen? I want it to happen on a Sunday morning about 9.58. Because all of us on that day will be in church on time. Amen? Won't that be good? I mean, we'll just, bam, be caught up. Now, that's just me. <laughs> but that'd catch a lot of people unawares, I'll say that. Folks, it's the coming of Christ is to be something we anticipate, not something we fear. And I know just from my own life, I know from talking to other Christians, in many cases, we don't anticipate Christ coming. We, we want to put him off. That ought not to be our attitude. Our attitude ought to be that of the Apostle John, who said, Lord, please, please come, quickly come. And I would beg you today, when we're ready, when we're truly ready. You know, the, the, the one or two times I actually did what my parents told me, and I can count them on that many fingers, I was ready for them to come home. In fact, I was so proud that they were coming home and I had not picked on my brother and sister. I was bursting with pride. Godly pride. <laughs> but folks, we as Christians, we need to be ready. So when he calls us up, we say, boy, Lord, I've been waiting. <laughs> this is what I've been wanting. This is fantastic. Let's be dismissed with a word of prayer. Be back in the service tonight, 7 o'clock. Brother Roger, dismiss us.